Welcome to another great story with your host, Nick Sandino, brought to you by the Village Christian Church. Do you know any great stories? We sure do. And we can never find enough time on a Sunday morning to tell them all. Here at Another Great Story, we tell the truth about where life change, life growth, and life purpose meets our everyday life with the hope that you might experience God in your story. Welcome back to another great story. Joining me today is my good buddy, Pat Erzinger. Pat is the executive director of Reclaimed Charity here through the Village Christian Church. Uh, He also hosts our online ministry on Sunday mornings that's happening at live.thevillagechristianchurch.com. But overall, if you've ever had that friend that just never runs out of great stories, that's my buddy, Pat. If there was ever a guest that I thought could be on here weekly, and tell story after story, it would be Pat Erzinger. So you're going to want to sit back, relax, and enjoy another great story today. Well, Pat, welcome in the studio for another great story. First time on this podcast, first time on a podcast ever? No, actually, uh, my good friend Dave Ashdown has the uh, Kiss Storian kiss podcast oh really that have been featured on one thing is uh my good buddy dave i'll probably shout out to him uh you know maybe he can shout out to us it'd be fun to get a crossover between the kiss audience and the another we, great story we'd love to reach Christian them church uh, yeah. audience they obviously need jesus yeah absolutely they do i got a good buddy uh todd zastro has a pro wrestling podcast he's in ministry and he covers i like it's and it's got some big a uh, big following i didn't know there was such a market for stuff like that no idea. There's so many podcasts that keep coming. That's the yeah. thing about them. There is a lot of them out there, um, you know, but this is a fun thing to do. This is a great way of capturing some, just some stories that, that we like telling, we like hearing, um, and we get the benefit sometimes of where we sit in ministry of hearing these stories all the time, and it's hard to get them all out there. It's hard to share them with, with an audience of, you know, a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There's so many people. So, I guess, like, what better story for me to start to tell than than my story, right? Yeah, that's what we've been starting a lot of people with is, is your own story. So, I mean, um, we're going to have some of these guests back on someday. I'm going to have Scott back on to tell more of his story. Um, we're going to have Kaylee Walker back on sometime to tell more of her story. Same with you. You're going to be a repeat. Um, but, you know, where you're at today, you serve as the executive director of Reclaim Charity. Reclaim Charity is just a like an outgrove of the Village Christian Church. It's our non-for-profit that that handles our charitable work. Is that how you'd say that? That's right. So like a lot of people are familiar with with Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities is the biggest charity in the world. But what a lot of people don't know is like all that is is the charitable giving arm of the Catholic Church. So here at the Village Christian Church, we have a 501c3 charity that does all our charitable stuff. It doesn't pay any salaries. All the, the money that Reclaimed raises goes right back out into the community. And it's the charitable giving arm of the Village Christian Church. So it has its own governance, but it's doing all of our stuff. And uh, so if you have you know, somebody that needs some help, uh, you know, there's tons of things that we can do. And yeah, I would encourage you to reach out to me, Patrick at ReclaimCharity.org. Yeah, Patrick at ReclaimCharity.org. Uh, that's Reclaimed, past tense, uh, R-E-C-L-A-I-M-E-D, Charity. Org. You could also find reclaimedcharity.org and their website, all about them, making a local, regional, and global impact. Um, what you'd be absolutely shocked by is 
Um, for a church that's uh, I would not not a huge church and and the charitable arm of that church, you're doing some. We've gotten to see God do some big things. I don't yeah. want to say we, right? That's, well, God's doing the thing, but like uh, the this church has been the the big driver of that. And I think that since we started, we've given away over a million dollars. Yeah, and uh, gotten to see that million dollars like make an impact. Yeah, making a huge impact locally, regionally, and globally. There's so many things that we're doing. We got the big give for kids coming up on August 5th and 6th. Yeah, uh, that's a that's helping kids get back to school with the with the essentials that they need. Right. Locally. Exactly. The school clothes will be donated. We've got like new shoes and socks and underwear and things like that. And then we're asking people to bring in like gently used uh, clothing. And then we're getting kids a, a, a good confident start to the school year. With, what's with the what's the date on that? August 5th and 6th are the days that we're uh, going to be giving away the clothes. I think it's in the in, morning. Here at the Manuka here campus. Here at the Manuka campus at the Village Christian Church. I think between like 10 and 12 or, or 10 and 1. Sarah White. Uh at, I think at the Village Christian Church. I'm Sarah. Shoot, I don't remember the email. We'll but, find that uh, out. We'll, yeah. we'll maybe you attach can email it to me the show directly. Notes. Yeah, yeah. Patrick at Reclaim Charity. I'll get you the details, and uh, we'd love to have you for that. What's a uh, and, and people could donate to that too. Yeah. You could donate financially to that. You could donate. You can donate financially to that. You can bring your uh, your clothes in the weeks leading up to it. We'll have a trailer outside where you can uh, can bring clothes you want to donate. Wonderful. What's Good an stuff. example of a regional thing? So that's a local thing that we're doing. So that's for a local kids. thing that we're doing regionally. We do a lot with Miss Pearl. Uh, Miss Pearl's Good News Community Daycare up in Roseland. It's a it's a really tough area. And Miss Pearl, if you've never had the opportunity to meet her, she's a wonderful lady who has been transforming a neighborhood. She has a, a daycare for kids that's free as long as the the parents are are in school or or trying to work and get better. As long as they'll attend a Bible study. Uh, she'll watch your kids for free. She doesn't take any government money because they took issue with her like requiring a Bible study. So she needs lots of support from organizations like Reclaimed to to keep things going. So we we run like a Christmas store for her every year. We're doing uh, clothes drives and different things uh, throughout the year. Uh, she's probably our biggest regional. And I uh, wish I wish I knew how to even describe that woman. She is such a machine and so like uh, like you never feel like she's too busy for you no but she's too busy i mean for like she doesn't have time to like she is actively serving the lord doing stuff in that community of roseland all the time it seems like miss pearl gets more energy the more she serves and i feel like she's just of all the people i've ever met she might be the one that's the most full of the holy spirit like i honestly expect like if anybody could like lay hands on someone and heal them which maybe we'll get into in my story uh but uh, if anyone could ever do that, you would almost expect it to be Miss Pearl. Yeah, she's just incredible, and and such a such a hands on thing that you can see the work that she's doing, um, you know, for the community, for the kingdom. And then, real quick, a, an example of something global that that reclaims sports. So coming up in November, we're going to have Lifeline Christian Mission come in, and we're going to pack a hundred thousand meals for starving kids in Haiti. We're going to, in a single day, have it come in on a truck. We're going to have. Hundreds of volunteers uh, of all ages come in and pack and ship and uh, pay for those meals in, in one day. Yeah, and so if, if you're unfamiliar with this, this is a great opportunity. We try to not only provide, um, or I shouldn't say we, Reclaim tries to not only provide for all these local, regional, and global needs, which there's more than the ones that he just mentioned, um, but they also give you an opportunity to be the hands and feet that get involved with these things. You can bring your kids. You can serve You can serve at food trucks. You can serve at big give for kids. You can serve at um, 
at our special needs prom. I mean, there is ample amounts of opportunity. What, how many volunteers did you have in 2021? I did not know there would be a test. But there, <laughs> it was it, there was a goal, and I remember exceeding. We, we exceeded that goal. We had thousands of volunteers. Uh, I I don't want to have like the wrong number on the internet forever, but yeah, it, that's but it fine. Was, but it was thousands of volunteers. We've been we've been exceeding our goals every single year, and God's just really grown. Like I'll, I'll call it a ministry, the ministry of what Reclaimed can do. It's really making an impact locally, regionally, and globally, and I'm so proud to to be a part of it. Yeah, and if we, and we need you to be a part of it. And this has been your dream since you were a little boy? Uh, well, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be a lawyer. But that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, there was, some, there was some thick sarcasm there because yeah. this was not your story. No, this was not, this was not my story. Uh, I guess, like going back to the beginning, like I, I had a unique experience. So like I was born to a teenage mom. My mom was 18, uh, you know, when I was born. And uh, I was an only child. She never had any other kids. And... Uh, you know, I was born with cerebral palsy. I was born early, and so I came out. And cerebral palsy, if you don't know what it is, it's like it's a brain injury, essentially, and it happens, like, uh, from low birth weight or different things can cause it. Uh, but what it affects is, like, the way your 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 muscles kind of coordinate together. And it affects people kind of on a spectrum, so there's a range of it. And I got, like, solid, like, middle-of-the-road uh, cerebral palsy. So you, like, you see me walking around, and you're like, that guy has some stuff going on. Uh, like, I didn't, I, I didn't learn how to... I didn't learn how to walk till I was five. Like I could cruise around on the furniture, like a toddler does. But I can remember taking my like first independent steps. Like there were like surgeries and things to make that happen. And so it was, uh, it was challenging. Like I didn't come from any kind of money, and there was some some chaos in the house. And it was, it was a different way of coming up than so, a lot of folks. To like in- interject on that, like you've been coming to the village for how many years? I want to say I've been coming to the village for about twelve. About 12 years. I think I got here in 2010. So in 2010, we'd been a church for, for six years. We were meeting in a junior high school. Um, and every, uh, this has this sentiment has not changed to this day. But every time somebody walked through the door, um, we were we were like bird-dogging them. Like, we needed you to come back. Like, it was so um, pivotal, not just to see God move in your story, but that you become part of this local church. And do you know what, where I'm heading with this on your first day? I think I do. So, like, I had a great first experience. Like, I, I, it was, I didn't preach a lot back then, but it was a day I was preaching, I think. Um, and Pat came in, and I saw this young family. You had one kid at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you and your wife. And, and obviously, I, I, I recognized the cerebral palsy, and I just thought, man, I hope that guy feels welcomed here. I hope that guy doesn't feel inappropriate looks or, you know, like you just had the best experience. And then on your, on your way out, um, in this crowded school hallway that in my head still had pallets of, of like the school's food in the way it was like always annoying. You fell. And I thought if there was ever a deal breaker that made a guy not come back, it might've just happened. And I was so angry. Like I wanted to beg you to come back. Like, but you came back and, and like we talked about that years later when I finally had the courage to be like, I thought we lost you. I thought we had this great first impression. And then you're like, look at their junk in the hallway. I tripped and fell like I'm not coming back to this place. Oh, well, that, that's so funny. And I, I think I, I remember uh, talking to you about that later because especially when you grow up with uh, cerebral palsy, like you're going to fall all the time. Like that was a big part of my experience. Like if you think about like how long five years is not to be able to walk uh, and yet trying to like. You fall down a lot. Uh, and when you're a little kid, you pop right back up. Now, I'm in my 40s. 
So this was like, you know, 10 years ago, I fell down the hallway. I was popping up a little faster then than I am now. But like, it was just a part of the experience. And I think I told you later when you got the courage to like talk to me about it. It's like, man, if I didn't go back to all the places I fell down at, I pretty quickly couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go to the grocery store. Uh, you <laughs> know, was, it was such a nervous thing for me. And, yeah. and like you yeah. diffused it so quick with that. When you when you said I I wouldn't have anywhere I could go. Can't like go I've fallen anywhere. everywhere. Fallen everywhere. Uh, so well, I'm glad you came back. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I did too. But I, there was never a question of, of of that. I've been coming for a little while. I think before that happened. But but yeah, it's great. So that that's how I came up, and that's that's a big part of like what I remember from being little is just a struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when uh you know you got young parents and you know they're trying to figure out how to be adults and stuff. Uh, they don't always fit in in church environments, or at least I can remember very early feeling like my parents felt judged mm. in, in church spaces. You know, we went to smaller churches and stuff. But I, I will say, like, my mom was a strong Christian. She still is. My dad, too. Uh, but it's been more of a process for him. That's and a whole nother day. That's a whole nother day. Yeah, but my mom, one thing she did really faithfully is when I started school, like, she sent me to this little Christian school. Uh, I think she, like, was under the impression that her kids would be nicer there, and maybe they were, but uh, the the great benefit for me was that I, I learned the Bible, and I, I got to become a Christ follower, and I, I read the Bible real early because it was one of the things that I was good at. Uh, you know, I can sit around and read books a lot. That's a that's a big part of, of my story, especially growing up, is just sitting around and reading books. I read the Bible, and I came to believe it. And, uh, man, uh, that was good for me. So... So that place. when did you get to the place where, I mean, so you're saying you believed it early. I believed it early. And yeah. you would say you had read and, and comprehended parts of the Bible by what age? I read the Bible through on my own the first time, I, I think, in, in first grade. I had, a, I had a King James Bible, but it had uh, phonics, spellings of all the difficult words. And then I had a, a pretty good dictionary, and I could sit there and, and I could read it. And I think... In with the, like, I also watched, you know, like, is anybody familiar with that old cartoon Superbook by Hannah Barbera? Uh, Hannah Barbera, right? There's oh, old Bible man. cartoons, really old stuff. Hannah Barbera was also like Scooby Doo. Yeah, and, they did yeah. Scooby Doo, but they also did like these Bible cartoons, right? Like, uh, I think they might have even been like Japanese, like anime style animation, like way back in like you know 1983 or whatever this would have been they tell bible stories they're about these kids that like travel back into the past so i had a lot of that i got like bible stories in in school like this little christian school only had 50 kids in it for like uh all the grades like k through eight and they're they're real deep into like doing bible skits and the felt board and like all the things that you might have experienced you know if you had a church upbringing vacation bible school doing all that stuff so i didn't make it in on sunday but I probably had religion class five days a week. Yeah. And I probably read the Bible, and I think I believed it. You know, I, I would have told you at the time that I did. Um, but there were, there's a lot of people that believe in Christianity that would call themselves Christians that haven't read it. And uh, there were sometimes things in the text that, that gave me pause. Like one of them was uh, the fact that in the New Testament— you see people with these miraculous healings a lot, right? Like you see Jesus walk around and heal people, or you see like Paul walk around and heal people. I think it says like even his handkerchief or like his shadow, like passing over a man could heal him, right? And so I would pray for that. I'd pray for that kind of thing for me. 
And what was like even scarier was like other people would come and like they would pray, uh, you know, and that happened a lot. They would pray for healing on your for cerebral healing palsy. For me, yeah, for sure. And I didn't even know what it was. Like I knew what it's called. You know, I knew that I'd been like poked and prodded by all kinds of doctors and like a lot of cerebral palsy people aren't as articulate. Like some of them are even nonverbal. It just depends on like the severity, what, like what's damaged, uh, you know. And uh, so I think I was a special case in that. Like I was, I was pretty, I was pretty quick, you know. So I think a lot of doctors like like the like, ooh, like let's talk to this one, uh, you know. But there's really a sense that like in 1985, 1986, like not as much was known as is known now, uh, you know. Anyway. Uh, all that to say, like, a lot of people who didn't know a lot about it, cerebral palsy and uh, would come and, and pray about it and be like, oh, you know, we'll fix your legs. It's like it's not your legs. It just kind of looks like it is because it all comes from the brain, you know, but, like. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, I knew enough to know, like, gosh, these people are praying at cross purposes a little bit. But I also, like, had read enough of the Bible to be like, oh, you know, this could happen for me. So, like, I struggled with the fact, like, maybe my faith was broken. Like, that was oh. one thing that I came, I remember thinking, like, at six or seven or eight years old, like, well, if I just really believed it hard enough. You could, you could yeah. manifest it. Yeah, like, this is my fault. That's almost. such, like, a cultural thing that, that we really. A little bit. Yeah, you know, like, that you could manifest, like, like, if you tried harder, if you, like, it's on you. Well, even, even just reading the, the Bible account plainly, like, uh, you know, Jesus will sometimes say to a man, uh, you know, do you want to get well? Or like, oh, you know, it's your faith that's made you well. I thought, like, oh, well, maybe my faith is just not right, mm. uh, you know. And uh, I don't know if I knew enough as a little kid to articulate some of these things, but I think, like, that was a little bit unsettling. And uh, I don't know. So, what? like, Nick already knows that, like, I became an atheist. Like, maybe the podcast audience doesn't always know that, but I became an atheist at some point, uh, you know, probably in my mid-teens. And I think part of that was, like, I changed schools. In junior high, like the, uh, we'd moved, and I think maybe, I think maybe my dad like didn't pay like the last year of tuition at one place. Uh, that's on the internet now forever, but whatever. I think there might have been like a disagreement. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I had to change schools. I went to the Catholic school right for junior high, and uh, their theology was a little different, yeah. right? But more than that, like I got in trouble once for like reading the Bible. And I thought, like, these people are mean. Really? Yeah. Like, it was, it was like, it was a time when we were supposed to, to read a book, and I'd forgotten my book, like a fiction book. It, we could pick a book, any yeah. book. But I didn't have it. And so, I, as I was used to in my, like, Protestant upbringing, right, I just pulled out my Bible. They'd given me a Catholic Bible. And uh, I was just going to read it for my reading time. And the teacher's like, the Bible's not a book you can just read. I said, what really? do you mean? I, I've been reading it since I was little. <laughs> of course it's a book you can read. She's like, yeah, well, some would say you were still little. Yeah, right? I was, of course. But right, I was, I was 13, so I knew everything. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, so anyway, I was like, this is, both of these people can't be doing the Bible right. Like, one of them is wrong. Mm. And then I think I got to a place where, like, well, if one of them can be wrong, then, then maybe both of them are wrong. Oh, wow. Both being... Your yeah. Catholic experience and your Christian experience. And my Christian experience, Like, right. if they conflict, if like, they, they conflict, must... If they conflict, like, well, some, someone's wrong, which introduced the possibility that, like, wrongness was possible and still, like, uh, you know. Yeah. I don't follow this line of reasoning now, but I, I think that's how I got there. Wow. Uh, and so you were, you were mid-teens. You're thinking I was, 14, 15. I was, I was 13. I was 13 when the cracks started to show. 
Yeah. And I think by like 14, like my house had gotten more and more tumultuous. Like uh, what started out is, is you know, there's, there's strain on the marriage. By the time I was in, in high school, it's like these guys aren't going to last. Mm-hmm. And uh, like my dad had gotten hurt at one time. Like one of the reasons we were poor is because my dad was a construction guy and he had gotten hurt when I was real little. And we were always like waiting on like, like a like a legal settlement to come in, and it just always seemed like this is where our hope was. Like I, I would encourage everyone listening and the sound of my voice to put their hope in God, because we always put our hope in like uh, some lawsuit money, the next break, the next thing. Like, and this is why it's because like injustice has happened, but someday it'll be right, and like it just started to seem like maybe that wouldn't happen, or that even if it did, it was so chaotic at home, like that it couldn't do as good anymore. It was too broken for yeah, a settlement to fix. Yeah, right. We had bigger problems than money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you were you were you were consciously aware of this at, as a teen. Anyone who lived in the house would have. been Yeah, but there's also like a mind that you have sure. that not everyone has. I think you know. So let's let's recap a couple of things. My uh, like God lover, my first grader, we're still working on reading, let alone combing through the New King James. You know. It was the old King James. It, which is even more <laughs> radical. I know. You know, like to, to be able to read that and comprehend it. Yeah. You know, so you've always had a special mind for understanding. that, And I would call that a gift. Like I that so. is So where like anybody else would look at, at like a physical representation and go, oh man, like that guy's in the fight. You have a mind that's exceptional. Yes. You, and you don't say that like with any arrogance. I'm giving you, I'm paying you the compliment of I, it. You I, know? I agree that God has given me a great gift of a mind. However, I'll tell you something else that happened when I was 13. Because my mother always made the same argument. Like, you've been given a great mind. You're a brilliant genius. You're the smartest kid ever. Uh, it creates also a lot of expectations. Oh, okay. And so one of the things. You felt like you had to live up to that mind? Brother, I could not do algebra. Really? Uh, for whatever reason, like algebra past a certain point, it just boggled my mind and I would freeze up. Right. And I just couldn't do it. And to this day, like I still struggle with math past like uh, pretty basic algebra. It just never, for whatever reason, clicked. And so and that's why you went into ministry. We don't use a lot of that. <laughs> exactly. <advanced algebra. laughs> no, we hang it up past algebra two. Yeah. I, I'm pretty good with numbers yeah. and I'm pretty good with like business kind of math and like the stuff that you would use day to day, but all the stuff that they're like, you're definitely going to need this later. That was not the case. I never right. used that again. Mrs. Fink, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was Mine was true. Mrs. Ferguson, and I remember telling her, like, I don't know what to tell you in pre-calc and trig, but I just got called into ministry. Um, you know, it's this thing I think God's doing in my life, and I'm I'm not going to need pre-calc and trig like I thought. And she was, she's like, well, you still have to pass it. Like, we still have to get you through it. And I was like, okay. Right. Like, so we struck this deal as a junior in high school that, that I would give effort and she would give grace. And we, you know, bless her heart, she really helped me. That's amazing. So... I went the other way on it, <laughs> and uh, one day when, when I went to school, I got there a little bit early, and I talked my way into the building uh, before the kids were supposed to be able to get in there by pretending that I had to like help the librarian with something. And then I went to the math teacher's room, and then I stole her teacher's edition of the algebra book so that I would have the homework answers, which doesn't really help you because you have to show your work, but in my like 13-year-old brain, like... This is brilliant, like Ocean's Eleven yeah. genius that I'm going to like steal this book 
And, uh, you know, maybe my math problems will be over and I can live up to the expectations of everyone that I'm a brilliant genius who like can, can do all the stuff when, would you say that's what your identity come to be? I, I think that that was a, a piece of it. Like I was leaning into, well, at least I'm, you know, I can ace the history exam. Like I, at least I'm like, I'm the best reader. I, you know, at least I'm this. And so like, you know, I wasn't, I can't exactly say that I was jealous but I can say that I was desperate to have something to, that I was good at. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to feel like you have something. Do you think there's a lot of people feel that way? I think that there's a lot of people feel that way. Uh, yeah. It's a, it sounds like the, it sounds like a big root for insecurity. Like, uh, like this, um, am I good enough or could I be good enough or could I hide the cracks that I know about so that at least the world perceived me as good enough? Yes. I think that that's a, people want to be known for, for something. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe other than what they are like now, I would, I would argue it's, it's, it's per intelligent design. Oh, exactly. You know, like, but I mean, you and I sit on this side of the cross, like talking like that, but I mean, there's a whole world out there that wants purpose and they don't know what's like intrinsically built into them. I've come to understand that there's what I'll call a God shaped hole in everyone and that everyone tries to fill that hole with something. And, Nothing satisfies unless you unless you fill it with God. Yeah, it might for a while, you know, but you're never gonna. You're yeah, never your gonna your phrasing you. you've used with me before is like you can keep kicking the can down the road. Yes, a little bit longer. You know, you can keep uh, bandaging or you know even prolonging. You know, but like if you're honest with yourself, like does it satisfy? Does the your pursuit, your passion, your purpose? You know, does it your identity? Does it measure up or or do you, are you like the rest of us? You're keeping some things hidden. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's what it is. So, uh, you know, so f- not to not to fast forward your story here, but you get into high school, and all of a sudden, like a big piece of your identity, like from a really early age, you start to get skeptical about. Yeah, I I did. So like there was a lot of fallout from the book incident. Like eventually, I was caught, and uh, I was nearly expelled. And like my my parents, I felt like they. Uh, like they didn't look at me differently, but like things changed in our relationship, and I felt like, oh, you know, I've I finally it's like being exposed. Like I'd never been caught in a lie, or mm. like that, you, you know, it was like the first big moral failure that people were aware of. And uh, you know, the whole school didn't know or anything, but I just felt like, gosh, things were different. And so, like that was, I, I lost a piece of security, and then I just there came to be a, an imperceptible shift in my thinking where. One day I just felt Christianity is a burden and then it, it just simply mustn't be true. And then what I went out and did was I sought out arguments against it. And as soon as I could find some that rang true for a minute, I was like, all right, good. And it felt like a relief to like take it off because now I can do uh, whatever it is I want. And I, I think I'd come to the, to the realization that I was going to have to make my own way in the world. And I, uh, and now you can make your own worldview. I can make my own worldview. And I think I already knew, like, there wasn't going to be support for me to go to college. And so I was planning on, like, uh, just becoming a sales guy and just trying to, like, make my way in my world by my wits, like, by mm-hmm. this mind that I have. And I was just like, it doesn't, wouldn't matter, you know, what kind of a sales guy I was. How early did the absence of morality start to serve you as a benefit in that pursuit? Uh, as soon as that, it was, I was... That's a little difficult to answer. So I, I did. I, I became a sales guy right out of right out of high school. I got a job 
uh, selling timeshare at a place up in Schaumburg. And uh, it was really bad for me, I think, spiritually. Like, I, I got the job because I looked older. Like, I, uh, one of the things that God has blessed me with is, is male pattern baldness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I went bald pretty early, and they hired me uh, at a job where all these grown-ups worked. And then male pattern baldness and a great beard. Did you? Oh, have a it's a really then? good beard. I'm 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 leaning into the baldness. I think it's fine. But and it was really good when I was 17 or 18 because I could go to a bar and I could get served. And so wow. yeah, I would go after work because these guys didn't come in till noon and they would get out at eight or nine. And then across the the parking lot was Ron Santos Sports Bar in Schaumburg, and we'd go there every night and I would drink, and I uh, feel like a grown up, like oh I made it, and this is what life is. This is what life is. And this is the this is the peak. This is a good life. Yeah, yeah. I'm you, wear- have a, you have a paycheck. I have a paycheck. I'm wearing a tie. I'm hanging out with grown-ups who treat me. Oh, like and that a was a big up. piece of it. You wanted to wear a job that wore a yeah, tie. Yeah, my dad never wore a tie to work, and we always had money problems. So, but these guys that wore ties, they seemed to be doing okay. I didn't make very much money as a timeshare salesman in Schaumburg, right. but uh, I did feel like a grown-up, which is easy to do when you're 18 and and you know eating chicken wings and drinking Budweiser. It goes right back to like the. Uh, like just false, like temporary fulfillment. Yeah. I was, I, you would have looked at me and I would look like I was having a good time, but inside I, there was a big part of me that was miserable and lonely and scared and, uh, not at all sure that I knew how to be a grown up or what I should do. Um, what was the low point? I think like one low point at that point, at that time, I had this big friend group and then like, as happens after high school, like everybody kind of goes their separate ways a little bit. And like these people, who uh, some of them I thought would be my friends forever and ever, amen, were nowhere to be found. And uh, there was no relief. My parents got divorced and it was, it was worse than we can talk about here. But uh, I ended up just, I, I packed up in the middle of the night and I moved down to Florida to try to sell timeshare down there. I'm just trying to turn up the volume on the stuff that's not working to see if like doing more of it will help. Everything that could harden your heart happened. We're getting there, but yeah. Yeah. I, think I mean, so. progressively, I'm not just saying at that one time, like it just, there, there came the snowball of things that like obstacles. Yes. That kept like hardening. What I would say is one of the most tender hearted people I know. Yeah. And I think that there was a core of that goodness, like sitting there like in a bar, like drinking beer at 18, like, my sensibilities were sometimes shocked because I did come from, you know, a pretty heavily Christian environment for a lot of my years. Right. Uh, but I considered that like a softness, like a weakness in me that I wanted to get rid of. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like this is like a hindrance. Yeah. Like Like uh, the morality of Christianity and the integrity of Christianity. All these are obstacles now. Yeah. Just like my, like my, my trained conscience like I would look at the people around me and I'm like well they don't seem to have that not I mean I don't see the inside of them but to look at the outside of them like they don't seem to have these reservations that I have and I want to be like them so I need to work on the this feeling how many years did this run so if we're if we're saying like this this started in 13 let's say like the crack started show at, at 13 sometime when I was 14 or so I probably would have told you I was an atheist by the time I was 17, I would have been real mouthy about it and told you why you should be an atheist. And, uh, you know, this this kept on going for some time. So, like, I, I, I went to college a little bit, but, uh, you know, I ended up selling timeshare down in Florida. And, uh, you know, I used to go in this Christian chat room all the time to troll the Christians and to tell them why they should be atheists. And uh, that's where I met my wife. Really? 
You don't know this? No, I didn't. Oh, so this is really fascinating. So my wife used to go into this Christian chat room back in the 90s when people still did that. Yeah. And uh, she went in there all the time. She actually had met another guy on there who's from Indiana. My wife's from from Pennsylvania. And he was going to be a pastor. He'd met Billy Graham and he'd done all this stuff. He came from Indiana to marry her and uh, he got cold feet and he took off. And then the the day that that happened, she'd come in that chat room to vent about it, and I picked her up on the rebound. Wow. That's a true story. Did she know you were an atheist? She did, but we never really talked about it. Like, she'd seen me in there talking to other people about it, but I was just happy enough to talk to a girl that was my age. I was I was 19. I think she was 20. So the, I mean, you were kind of mean about it to other people. I was mean about it to other people, but God but you gave, pulled pulled way back on it when it, when it came I to Mandy. I didn't bring it up at all. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so she knew... And her faith you have, all this this new worldview you developed for the last eight years, you immediately scrapped at the opportunity to. I knew it wasn't going to get me any girls, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like no girls are are going to be super interested in you. Be like, hey, do you know why? Uh, you know, it's really stupid that you read the Bible. Like, no, right. like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna respond well to that in the Christian chat room. And she was just she came in there with a I think her her like chat handle was like heartbroken, and I just wanted to find out why the girl was sad. And so I, I just talked to her about it. Mm. You know, like I still did have empathy. I was still nice. I just, my, my niceness would have been limited to my friends. Right. Whereas like now I, I care for everyone. Oh yeah. And that's like a genuine shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a hired shift. Like we didn't pay you to start being compassionate. No, God came in and changed my heart. So, uh, you know, I, I met my wife. I, I, I married her pretty quickly. It's more than we have time to go into, but we got married within a year, and I ended up moving to, to Philadelphia, and uh, I started a business because there was no timeshare up there, right? And that was really bad for me. Um, I, I got into business with a guy who uh, did some ethically questionable things before I met him, and that's who I learned how to be in business from, and it wasn't great. And it was in a, it was in a, a pretty cutthroat industry. It was in the moving industry, and... Uh, you know, it was pretty successful for a while. And then uh, when it went south with that guy, I came to uh, Illinois to start again. And uh, that was pretty successful for a while. And, uh, you know, we had uh, an office also in Wisconsin. And in 2008, everything crashed. So when you say it wasn't good for me, you're not saying it wasn't good for me like um, the hours were bad. Um, like it, it was ethically not good for you. It it made me feel like the master of my own kingdom in a way that was spiritually bad for me. Yeah. And also the hours were bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, they say when you own a business, you can, you can set your own hours. You can work any 80 hours a week you want to. Right. It was a little bit like that. Yep. Uh, you, you know, I, but I, you weren't out to run an honest business and provide a great service. I would have loved to run an honest business and provide a great service, but I felt like I couldn't afford it. Uh, so instead, I, I ran the most profitable business that I could because I felt like the bills kept on coming and people only move every once in a while. I'm not looking for like repeat business. I'm looking right. to like squeeze them for as much money as I can get them on the day. I might not even have the same business named in two years when they move again. I've had that happen. Or like wow. I like changed the name and like this guy who I had a horrible experience with before who had a horrible experience with me and my guys was like, man, this other company that I moved with last time was bad. Uh, I don't have that experience. And I, I remember thinking to myself like, yeah, that, that was me. That was our, I'm literally going to send you like the same truck with a different name on it. Wow. Uh, you know, but, uh, so it was not good for me. Uh, but it was legal and, 
there's a difference between legal and and ethical. Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway. When did it? When did your eyes start to open back up to this possibility that that there was a God? Well, there there's a little more darkness to come okay. before we get to that. So I go. Ahead. So I want to I want to be respectful of your time, and I want to also like move. You know, like yeah. towards that. So I'm getting there. Give us the yeah. Give the us the quick. overview. Okay. So I went out of business, and it was it was a it was a blow to my identity, and I started trying to reinvent myself. And I'd always read books, as we talked about, and I'd read a lot of books as a sales guy about like the law of attraction, which is the idea, like we talked about in the beginning, like you might be able to manifest something into reality. And I thought this is a little bit like a religion, and people give religions money. And maybe if I wrote a little book. Uh, about this concept, and I massaged it into religion, I could set myself up as a guy uh, who receives money. So I had started to do this, and it was the process of of trying to invent a heresy of my own that I, I read some books by C.S. Lewis, uh, which shattered my worldview. So those who don't know him, like C.S. Lewis is a brilliant writer, He's maybe most famous for like the, the Narnia stories, like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, maybe you read your kids. But he's also a converted atheist, and he was a, a Cambridge professor, and he came to Christianity in his 30s, and he wrote some books about the reasons he thought it was true. And the short version is, I read some of those books, and they were devastating in my world, too. They were uncomfortably plausible. And through a process of time, I couldn't get out from under the idea, or from the fact, rather, that, that Christianity was a true thing, that there really was this man, Jesus, who came and lived and died and was resurrected and claimed to be God and who created everything, the same God uh, that we find in the Old Testament and that it, he's coming back. So <laughs> I don't know that people could have even caught what you just said in, in such few sentences because it's, it's remarkable. And I had I'd forgotten parts of this, but you went from a guy who thought I could manipulate the, the, the pursuit that somebody has looking for religion. And I could capitalize on that by creating my own faux religion of sorts. Right. To a guy who, upon investigating, like, how can I do this really well to be most advantageous personally, you stumbled back into the reality that, that there was not just a God, but the God, the creator who was after you. Yes. And my experience was that he was waiting for me the whole time and that he had orchestrated so many things in the background when I was so far from him uh, so that I would come to a place where I could believe. Like, I, I do feel like it, like I had a choice. I can remember it. There was this place I would go and walk. Uh, there was this path that was along this river, and I'd go there, and I would walk, and I would try to pray, and I would try to seek God, you know. And uh, there came, like, this moment where I knew, like, I could continue on with this thing that I was planning to do, that I could write this book, and then it would probably be at least modestly successful. You only have to be modestly successful to, to make an uh, income, to make an income, right? And I thought, you know, if I could get a handful of people, I knew I had enough writing chops that I could get that done, but I would be abandoning honesty forever. I'd be a totally different kind of guy, because even if I was going to be a sales guy who, like, sold you a crappy timeshare or, like, told you your move was going to take, you know, eight hours when I knew it would probably take 12, I, I took pride in, at least I knew what the truth was. But if I was going to go ahead and put forth a philosophy and call people to live by it, knowing that, like, Jesus is the Messiah that was promised in the Scriptures and that all that was real, that that would be a 
a whole nother departure from honesty and then I would never again be an honest man. Like you can repent of like uh, selling somebody a bad timeshare. I don't know how easy it is to repent of like, I know that there's a Messiah, but instead I'm going to tell you that I'm the Messiah who can like get you your, your thing that you're trying to manifest, which is essentially mm. what you do. Uh, it's, it sounds, nobody has ever experienced somebody or sat with somebody who would claim, who would claim that like they were at that crossroad where they really were going to manipulate people into a false faith. Yeah. And I'm not picking, I'm not taking shots at you. I'm, I'm pointing towards like the, the majesty of what God did. Yeah. Because like now to sit with you, I don't know anybody who passionately loves God it, with such a, with such a heart for him like you do. Like it's, I don't think people understand all that he can re. I hate to reclaim. <laughs> reclaim in you, you know, regenerate in you, like make new, you know, yes. like this, this idea that like, um, that you could be a new creation sounds plausible to me, but this idea that I could, that seems like a long shot. And I think that echoes in people's mind more than they care to admit. Yeah. Like I, maybe God could do for you, but you just don't know how lost you don't know how broken you don't know how forgotten I, I am. I think that's one of the things that makes the Apostle Paul, such a great guy, right? That's what makes him so passionate to do all the things that he does is because he was so far from God. He's so far, so far from Christ that he was like dragging people out of their houses and, you know, presiding over murders and things. And uh, he's the guy that God chooses to go and be the apostle to the, you know, the Greek speaking world and tell people who never heard of this Jewish God, Yahweh, that not only was Yahweh real, it was the only one God that made everything. But that Jesus was his only begotten son, God in the flesh, uh, who died for them to make them right with all with that hole that was in them. Yeah. Right. That they were all trying to fill with whatever it was. So uh, just to shift a little bit, what would you say now? Because you're such a radically different human being. And I've gotten to witness part of that. I didn't realize when we met how early you were yeah. in this, like, which is a whole nother story. Like, because I could go back to the day you walked into our church. And, and the day you went public with your faith and, and some of those different things that we probably don't have time to cover today, but we'll cover them again sometime. But what I want to like land on now is um, you're sold out for the kingdom. Yes. Like it's, it's all you think about. It's all you talk about and, and not in a, in, in the most compassionate way possible, you know, like there's, there's no, there's no war in you over this. There's just compassion. And you've said before, I'm just trying to get as many people in the lifeboats as possible. Right. You know, the lifeboat being Jesus. Like, yes. I just want Jesus to rescue and, and be a part of that rescue story, however I can be available. You know, what's your, what's, what's the thing you love most about who God is? It's the fact that, like, however far you are away, he has a way of, like, baptizing your past, right? And so, like, all that junk that you went through when you felt like you were the farthest from God, like God had a plan and a purpose for that. Like it might not have been like God's best plan for you, but he's a kind of God that brings good out of evil and he can do that for you. Yeah. It's, it, that's a hard notion to wrap your mind around. Like it, it, like if God had an ideal plan, like that would have been the garden. Right. You know, and that, that was, that fell apart and that's not the same. Like I, I ha I'm the same broken. I'm the same lost, you know, prior to Christ. You know, you were the same broken prior to Christ. And then he does something where he, he, he interweb, he knits these stories together. Like that he's like, he's, you know, and there's so much great scripture on this, 
you know, that, that I should have sourced ahead of this, but we, we kind of shot this off the cuff today on this recording, you know, of, of working these things together, you know, to, to reach and to change your heart. And now like you just look back at your story, anyone's story that we've had on and everybody has that same sentiment. Like he was just after me. Like it's, I'm so grateful for what he's done. Kaylee said the same, Scott said the same, um, there's been so many neat pieces of stories of, of God's pursuit, but I'm glad for who you are now, you know, and what a privilege it is to get to work with you and have somebody like you serving in our church, serving and reclaimed, um, and, and really letting your light shine. You know, like if we were to leave you with anything, it'd be like Matthew five, 14 through 17, you know, like letting your light shine before man that they'd see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You've opened so many doors by your servant's heart to have hard conversations with folks that, are as cynical or critical as you once were and are now willing to listen if they would just, if they would just hear you out. Yeah. You know, so thanks so much for your heart on that. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing. Any closing thoughts, Pat? No, uh, just lean into the Lord guys. Like he's got a plan for you. Sometimes it seems murky. Uh, you know, if you have the spiritual gift of healing, you want to come lay hands on me. You can, I'm still open to that, <laughs> you know, but right now I think that like God's answer is that, uh, He's made my strength perfect in weakness. I think sometimes people see me, uh, you know, making my way around church with this obvious limp. And I've been blessed with an amazing family. That's another story for another podcast. But I think people look at that and they're like, well, if he can do that, then I can do that. Mm. And I'm like, if that's God's judgment for me, then I'm I'm just looking forward to my resurrected body. And that's, I think, what a lot of us are are called to do. Uh, Well said, Pat. Would you do us a favor? And as we wrap up our time, would you pray for us? Yeah, sure will. Father God, I'm so blessed to to be here. I'm so blessed by Nick. We ask that you just continue to come into us. Everybody in the sound of my voice knows the the plague of their own conscience. So we just ask God that you fight our battles for us, that you you bless us in those ways that uh, maybe we don't even have the sense to ask for, God. And I just ask that, you know, those people that, that are hurting and they just feel like they can't be fixed or they don't know their purpose, they can just lean into you and know that that's where the answer is. I ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Pat, so much. Listen, if uh, if you're looking for a good church home, if, if something that Pat has said um, has inspired more question in you, don't be afraid to reach out. We are accessible here. You could reach out to Nick at thevillagechristianchurch.com, or you could reach out to Pat or Patrick? Patrick. Patrick at? Reclaimedcharity.org. Reclaimed Charity. Org. Reach out. If, if you've got questions, um, Pat's the kind of guy who loves to help you find answers and, and is a great source for it. So don't be afraid to reach out. If you're looking for a good church home, find us in Manuka, Illinois. Find us in Seneca, Illinois. Um, and to come, find us in Coal City, Illinois. In the meantime, join us on YouTube, Facebook, or live.thevillagechristianchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us for another great story. Thank you so much for joining us for another great story. Make sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss our latest stories. And if you are in the market for a great church home, check us out at thevillagechristianchurch.com. We've got more great stories ahead, and we can't wait for you to hear them all. So until next time, keep living another great story.